Pickaxe. Hello and welcome to the Eurogamer Newscast and this week we're discussing the biggest Xbox leak in history. We're looking ahead to the Switch 2's potential launch lineup. We're asking why there are so many industry layoffs or at least that's what I would be saying if you're listening to the Eurogamer Newscast. Hello I'm Tom, Eurogamer's editor and host of our weekly discussion podcast where we break down the biggest gaming news stories and share insight from our news reporting team. Head to your favorite podcast app now to listen. Just search Eurogamer Newscast. Because for seven years, they haven't had access to that. And then they go to this new place where suddenly, like, I can eat whatever I want to. Like, what's the catch? Like, how are you trying to trick me? Is this a scam in some way? You're just saying that today, but of course you're going to take it away. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I'm a little bit nervous, but um, you can call me Yella. Yella? Yeah. Welcome, Yella. Um, I'm just uh, scrolling again to find the the prompt was, uh, what do you want to work on in yourself the most? And uh, my answer was, uh, I want to be less dependent on others and lose the always present feeling that friends could backstep or abandon me. Um, I want to figure out what matters to me and be content without the approval of my friends. I want to be able to help myself like I help my friends. So, okay. So you want to be less dependent on other people. Um, You want to be able to help yourself like you help your friends. And you said something after being less dependent, something about constantly thinking about something. Yeah, thinking about that people um, could abandon me. Help me understand that a little bit. That sounds like a... How can I say this? It sounds very stressful to have friends that your mind is constantly thinking that way. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it just roots a lot in insecurities. And um, a lot of the time, I don't have many friends, but um, uh, just if uh, people um, don't... uh, uh, text me back uh, like a few days or um, just if there's a, uh, if uh, it's not uh, like there isn't a balance between the amount of communication between each other. I sometimes just get the feeling that um, I did something wrong or um, the people don't want to hang out with me a lot more and um yeah, it's just uh, always, uh, it stresses me out a lot that um, because I have so few friends that um, maybe I um, can lose them as well. So, Okay, so what I'm hearing, Yella, is, is that first of all, it sounds like you can't afford to lose many friends, right? So yeah, because- e- each one becomes more and more important. Yeah. The second thing that I'm noticing is that if there's ever a question mark about a relationship, like let's say you text your friend and your friend doesn't text you back in two or three days, that even though there are a lot of reasons why your friend may not text you back, that your mind tends to think about some really scary stuff. Exactly. And mostly scary stuff about... um things that put me down. Can you, uh, can you give me an example of what kind of thoughts your mind has? Um, just a simple example. Like, um, if I, if I meet with another person and I'm always, after I meet with another person, I feel really attached to them. And, um, the next day I text a lot. And if they, for some reason, uh, don't have time on the next day and, uh, I, I think that uh, maybe I said something wrong or um, that uh, it just wasn't fun when we hang out the day before and um, yeah. Okay. And what would you, so what would you like to change if your life was different? If I could give you a magic wand and you could change yourself into something else, what would you change yourself into? I would, Honestly, it's just uh, 
<laughs> it's just uh, I think it's just my mind that makes a lot of these uh, um, assumptions and uh, that I really know um, that those aren't really what's happening but they're really um, um, yeah taking up a lot of my energy and um, stressing me out and uh, just um, want to live without them. Okay. So I, I'd love to try to help you with that today, Yella, and I think I can, but I'm going to ask a couple other questions first. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, so can you also tell me, Yella, ballpark, how old are you? I'm 33. Okay. So do you have a sense of where this fear that your friends are going to abandon or backstab you comes from? Um, I have some, I'm not sure. I think one one reason is that, um, of course, there were situations in the past uh, where something like this happens. And also, um, I, for my part, abandoned uh, um, a lot of my friends just because um, um, at one point I wasn't uh, happy with... Uh, um, it was just a lot of friends going out partying and I wasn't able to control it and needed to really um, take a step back from that uh, friend group. And um, another time when I really um, had a, a, like a depressive episode and I really couldn't uh, became really alone, didn't leave my house, and that, uh, that's when I really um, like abandoned uh, all of my friends that were left. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, okay. So it, it does sound like you've had a couple of very real experiences where relationships that were important to you fell apart in some way. And let me ask you, when you, let's say you meet someone and as you said, you feel attached and then you text them a lot the next day or message them a lot the next day, what happens after that? Uh, uh, I, I don't have really, uh, just because uh, I really just, um, just now I'm really getting back into um, socializing, I don't have... Okay. That much experiences. Okay. So, um, so when you say you get attached to someone, what does that mean? Like, I just want to hang out a lot with them or, and, um, yeah. Great. Th thank you. So let me ask you one or two questions. So what about that makes you want to hang out with them? What, how do you feel when you're with them that makes you want more? Um, just the feelings uh, that I have when I'm alone, that people will abandon me, um, are not there because they're right in front of me. And uh, I can see that they're with me, they're having fun with me, and um, I don't have to stress about uh, if they really um, um, want to um, spend time with me because they're spending time with me. I see. So what I'm almost hearing is, is that there's almost a constant voice of doubt in your mind that people don't want to spend time with you. You may not have friends. They, they'd rather have fun with someone else. And when you actually spend time with people, that voice actually quiets down because you get a lot of feedback from your eyes, from your ears that, okay, this person is having a good time. We are having fun. So like that part of you, the, the fear of abandonment quiets down when you're actually with someone. Yeah, sure. Sometimes when I'm out with something, there's also some small little, uh, little thoughts that I think, are they having fun right now? Is this really uh, a good time right now? But um, it's not uh, so severe as when I'm alone and don't have uh, constant feedback. Okay. Um, Yella, anything else you want to mention? 
Um, you know, I, I, I was going to share some thoughts with you, but I just wanted to make sure that we covered what you wanted to share. No. Okay. No, I'm good. So I do think that this can be managed, but I think it's going to be hard. So I think the basic problem is that your solution is actually creating your problem. Okay. So I'll explain what that means. So you okay. have this fear of abandonment. And when you spend yeah. time with someone and they, and that fear and you feel better, what do you think that's actually doing to the fear of abandonment? Do you, the more time you spend with them, do you feel reassured? Yeah, but also, uh, I, I don't know how to put this, but uh, um, you, you said earlier that um, I have the feeling that I, ca I can't afford to lose a friend. And if I spend more time with somebody, they get like more valuable to me because... Yep, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that in a second. But what I want to kind of point out, so I'm going to share with you a story. This is a story. If you've watched Dr. K's guide, you may have heard this before. Okay. So when we have anxiety, there are certain things that we can do that will decrease our anxiety over time or certain things that we can do that will calm down our anxiety, but will actually increase it over time. So I'll give you an example. So I have a family member who's very, very anxious about their kid's safety. And so what they do is if, if the kid isn't home at 8 p.m., they'll start messaging their child. Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? I'm worried about you. You said you were going to be home at 8. It's now 8.03 and you're not home. Where are you? You need to pick up the phone. And until the child picks up the phone, the parent is very, very anxious and when the child picks up the phone and the child says, no, 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 I'm fine. I just stopped to get gas. I'm five minutes away. The next day, the parent, when the child is five minutes late again that day, the, the parent isn't confident. Their anxiety actually comes right back. Does that make sense? No, I didn't question. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, so this is where, all right, let me give you another example. So this is the one from Dr. K's guide. So I was wor once working with someone who was afraid that their, their boyfriend or fiance was cheating on them. So what they did is they were like, okay, like I have no reason to believe this, but they had been cheated on in the past. So they were concerned that their fiance was cheating on them. And so eventually what they did is they checked their fiance's phone without their knowledge. They opened up their phone, checked their text messages and found that nothing was going on that was like, there was no cheating going on, no, you know, naked pictures or anything like that. And so they felt better for a couple of days, but then the thoughts came back and then they checked the phone again. And once again, they didn't see any evidence of cheating. But the more time they went on, the more they found that they like started checking their phone every single day. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I, that I get the urge to increase the frequency uh, when I see so, other people. Yep. So, so there's an interesting thing that happens with anxiety where sometimes giving in to the anxiety actually makes it grow. And the way that we give into it is by actually like, you know, reassuring it in some way. So if you're terrified that people don't like you and you spend time with them, what you're actually doing is feeding that anxiety. Because you're telling the anxiety, see, 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 look, all, like, if you're worried about it, let me go spend time with someone and then you'll see. But then the anxiety never becomes confident. It just needs that constant external reassurance. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I need to be able to um, reassure myself without uh, seeing them. Absolutely. Right? And this is the tricky thing, because when you go and spend time with someone, half of your mind is still thinking about the anxiety. It's satisfied, but it's not spending time with the person, right? You're thinking about what the person thinks. You're thinking about, oh, thank God I'm not abandoned. Thank God that this person likes me and enjoys spending time with me. 
but you're still thinking about the anxiety. Does that make sense? Yeah, to an extent. Um, I've, like, I'm still having a good time most of the time. And, yep, um, you're also having a good time, but still a part of your mind, it's not like you're all having a good time. A part of your mind is thinking about, oh, good. This, the fact that I'm having a good time means I don't need to be worried. Yeah. But the problem is that even when you do that, we sort of see that pattern is that you get attached to them, right? Why do you get attached to them after one day? It's because they fulfill your need in terms of that anxiety. So you're not even getting attached to a human. You're getting attached to a source of soothing for your anxiety. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes. And then the next day goes around, and what do you do? You start messaging them a lot because you need your fix again, right? You almost become addicted to that relationship. And the reason you get addicted, why do we form addictions? Because they make our negative feelings go away. Yeah. Right? Does that, you following yeah. me? Yes. So there are a couple things... Any questions so far? No. Okay. Go ahead. So next thing is that, well, first thing that I want you to do is the next day, you need to really recognize what behaviors are coming from your anxiety. Whether they're good or bad or whatever, you need to recognize, okay, imagine that you have this hungry beast inside you, which is your fear of abandonment. And when you send that first message, where is that message coming from? Is it coming from you or is it coming from the hungry beast? Because chance, or if you're sending a bunch of messages the next day because you want to hang out again, I think that's going to be coming from the hungry beast. And the tricky thing is that that may drive people away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then what happens once you drive someone away by texting them too much, the hungry beast gets even hungrier. And now it says, oh, my God, another person has abandoned you, Yella. We can't have, have that happen again. And the next time you go out and you meet someone new, the hungry beast is saying, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up or they won't abandon you or they, they'll abandon you again. And so then you listen to that and you're like, OK, I promise I'm not going to screw it up. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. Ha 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 ha. See, I'm making them laugh. See, they like me. It's OK. They're not going to abandon me, hungry beast. And then the hungry beast is like, okay. And then the next day comes around, the hungry beast is like, message them. If they had such a good time, they'll see you again. I'm tired of feeling this way. And the one thing that can make this feeling go away is if when you spend time with them. So then the tricky thing happens. When a relationship becomes about meeting your emotional needs, that's when the other person no longer exists in the relationship. Because now the reason yeah. that you're texting them is because you're tired of feeling alone. And now you're placing the burden, the emotional burden of your loneliness on this person. Yeah, and, of course. Um, I, sometimes I really feel like I'm very selfish because uh, um, when I tell others how I feel, it's just... Uh, like uh, I'm voicing my needs, my uh, things that I need, and even like most mostly, uh, I don't know what I was saying. No, no, no. Yeah, it's it's a good point. So, so this is the thing. So, it is being selfish. But here's the key thing: in a good relationship, you're allowed to be selfish. You're allowed to be selfish fifty percent of the time. The yeah. other 50% of the time, it's your job to be selfless. Yeah. Right? So I don't blame you for wanting, like, you have those emotional needs. It's just you need to be a little bit careful about letting them dictate your interactions with other people. So I know it sounds very, like, uh, so some concrete advice. One is it's okay for you to hang out with someone. But the next day, you know, I would not send them a bunch of messages. Yeah, like I, I, I recognize uh, the next day problem already and um, like sometimes I try to just uh, not text them but as soon as 
they text me, um, it's like uh, I text them uh, like five things at once and uh, it's like, okay, now they've texted me, now I can, uh, now I have a free pass to text them how much I want. Exactly. So that's all the stuff in your head, right? So now the hungry beast has learned if we text them first, they may abandon us. But the second yeah. they text us, it's like, okay, like, um, nom, 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 give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Yeah. Right? And so, so, and the reason we're getting this far, Yella, by the way, is because you, I, it's clear to me that you've figured a lot of this stuff out, right? You even told me without me even asking, yeah, then I feel like I have to text them the next day and I text them too much. Yeah. So now what you've got to do is like take it one step further. And I think the key thing is that pay attention to that need within you. And try to figure out, okay, like now I can text them. What's telling me that I need to text them? Even if you can, that's fine. But where is that need coming from? It's coming from like this part of me that feels incredibly alone. Yeah. And then I, I love what you said is that I, I wish I could be for myself what I can be for other people. You said something like that, right? I, can, I wish I could help myself the way that I help other people. Yeah. And so what would you tell a friend who was in your situation? The, the first thing would be probably like, don't worry that much. But um, that also, I don't know, it uh, invalidates my, my feelings and emotions. So I'm not sure if that's uh, the right thing to say, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, so a uh, good point. So let's, uh, we can help you a little bit concretely there. So this is what I'd say to you, and you should say this to yourself that I understand why you feel so afraid. And just because you feel afraid doesn't actually make it real. Yeah. Right. So if I've been bitten by a dog and I see a dog the next day and I get scared, my fear is completely valid, even though the dog is not dangerous. Yeah. So, so this is where you don't want to invalidate your perspective, but you also don't want to live your life wholly based on that perspective. So what I would really do is have a conversation with yourself and say, okay, how are we going to navigate this? Because on the one hand, I completely understand why you're terrified. Because after all, you're me. On the other hand, if we live our life being controlled by this feeling, I don't think we're going to create the healthy relationships that we really want. So what can we do in terms of texting? Like, I don't think we should send them six different texts. What would you really want to send them? What do you really feel like you want to like? Because it sounds like maybe getting together with them is really useful. Like you really enjoyed that. So maybe we can send them one or two texts, one about how we had a lot of fun yesterday and a second one about, hey, maybe we can get together sometime soon. How does that sound? Yeah. Right. So it's kind of weird, but like you almost want to have a conversation with yourself where you're not stupid. You're not crazy. The, the fear of abandonment is absolutely there for a reason. And also, we don't want our life to be dictated by that fear. Because the problem is when the fear of abandonment controls our behavior, we actually end up driving a lot of people away. Yeah, and it's just not driving people away. Uh, at the moment, I'm really... Um, I, I have fear of uh, getting to know new people because... Uh, they would just stress me out more because it's another person that I want to keep or most of them I want to keep in my life. And um, I have to struggle uh, with myself that uh, I keep them. Um, yeah. Yep. And, and that's really dangerous, right? Because I, I mean, I think some of this is maybe a translation issue. But, you know, when you use the word keep, it, there's a certain possessiveness to that, right? And, yeah. and what I'd love for you to be able to do one day, Yella, is recognize that you bring value to any relationship. And also yeah. that, that that may not be the value that some people are looking for, which is actually okay. 
Just because someone doesn't want to spend time with you doesn't mean that you aren't worth spending time with. Yeah, that makes sense. But it can be hard for that to sink in. When that really sinks in, you'll be completely better. But it'll take time to get there. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially if you have like uh, nearly to no friends, um, you wanna, um, you're glad for everyone that uh, spends time with you and um, shows interest in you and um, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's where the attachment kind of comes in because I think all this gets, you know, if you're if you're thirsty and in the desert, and there's you finally find water, you're going to be very possessive of that water. And so I think the challenge that you face is that you genuinely have a need, which is so severe, that. You're not going to want to let any opportunity for getting that need met. You don't want to let it go. And that creates problems. Can I share a story with you, Yella? Yeah, sure. So, you know, sometimes when I worked as a psychiatrist, I would work with kids who were in orphanages or foster homes. Do you know what that means? Like, yeah. Okay. Like people with no parents. Right. So they lived in this home, right, where there's like one caretaker and there's 30 kids. And oftentimes there wasn't enough food. So, for example, like the meals were like very limited. There wasn't a whole lot in terms of snacks. You know, it's like one person kind of cooking and they're also trying to like make money. So they skimp on meals and things like that. And so one of the kids that uh, was in there ended up getting adopted by a family. So they moved to their new home, right, where their parents are there and the parents feed them whatever they want. So like, or not whatever, but they have meals and there's a pantry and they've got snacks in there and they tell the, ch the kid, you know, like you can come and you can get whatever food you want. And the parents kept on finding ants in the child's room. And so they were confused about why there are ants there. And what they see is that like there are portions of food from dinner and snacks and things like that, that have been like wrapped in paper towels and like kept in drawers, kept under the bed, that the child was storing food in their room, half eaten food. So when the parents, they'd eat dinner and there'd be some bread and the child would like take the bread, wrap it in a napkin and put it in their pocket. And then they'd go and they'd put that, that food kind of in the drawer. Does that make sense? Are you following me? Yeah. Um so the parents come to me and they're like, we think the kid has some problem because like, he's like hoarding. Like they, they thought he was a hoarder where he's just like not letting stuff go. It's causing problems and things like that. And that's where like, you know, we spent some time talking to the kid. The kid was like seven. So, you know, I talked to him some, but we sort of realized that this, this child basically has an insecurity where they've gone hungry for the first seven years of their life. And so when they've got hungry, they've created certain kinds of adaptations to survive but those adaptations aren't really healthy right even though there's like a bunch of friends i mean sorry a bunch of food in the pantry the child still for their own safety has to like take the food and store it because they don't know they don't know how long this magical pantry full of food is going to last because for seven years, they haven't had access to that. And then they go to this new place where suddenly, like, I can eat whatever I want to. Like, what's the catch? Like, how are you trying to trick me? Is this a scam in some way? You're just saying that today, but of course you're going to take it away. And yeah. so in that same way, I almost see an element of this in you. That you're so hungry for friendship that you're going to hold on to whatever you get your hands on. Even though you don't realize that... Yella, there are hundreds, thousands of people out there who you can form friendships with. Yeah, but it's, it's not only um, like um, I'm afraid of that the friends will go away. It's, uh, it's like um, I worked a lot on myself, uh, like uh, personal development in the last year. Good. And uh, um, right now I, I have the feeling like I can put so much energy into relationships and I have like to feel like there will be times when when I'm uh, will be um, worse 
uh, off again and don't have that much energy and um, like I, I fear that when 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 that day, that day comes um, that um, yeah I can't put that much energy and uh, like then they will abandon me so it, it feels like I need to um, yeah want like extra hard uh, yes of so, course you, so. you you don't know how long that pantry is going to be open to you you better yeah. you better get as much food as you can now you have to yeah. bond extra hard right because in the future it's not going to be possible yeah like uh so i know yeah, so I, I get you. So what do you think that's doing to your desperation? The neediness? It becomes bigger. Absolutely. As the need becomes bigger, the attachment becomes bigger. As the attachment becomes bigger, you're going to send six messages because the need is that much greater. I can't afford to just send four. It needs to be five. It needs to be six. I can't let this person slip away. It's all the same thing. Yella. Yeah. And I know it's really hard. That, that's why, like, I, I'm not, I can't argue with that part of you, right? If I said, oh, Yella, you've got 40 years to make friends. See, that part of you is not going to listen. Even though technically it's like you've got your whole life to make friends. Yeah, but making friends is hard, though. Yeah, but like you, keeping friends is harder. Yeah. yeah, right. So, so, but the, that's your experience. So, for me to say you've got forty years to make friends, like that doesn't matter because in your experience, the time is running out, and that's where like really it's it's hard detachment, man. That's where it's like okay, if the time is running out, it's gonna run out, and if I'm gonna be lonely, I'm gonna be lonely. But in this moment, I have an opportunity to spend time with one person, and I'm gonna make the most of today. And interestingly enough, when you start thinking that way and you start not worrying about whether this person will be available tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, oh my God, if this person, if I don't act nice enough today, this person won't be my friend. And then two years from now, I'm not going to have any energy to make friends. And then I'll be 35 and then I'll be 41 and then I'll be 46. And if I'm 46 and I have no friends, then no one's going to want to be my friend. And all of these thoughts will come bubbling up. But the core yeah. thing is still, when you sit with someone, they can't fix all of those problems for you. Yeah. Um, but to some extent, I also feel like, sometimes I feel like uh, maybe it's better for myself to be alone because it's so much harder when I engage with other people that... Sometimes uh, I just think being alone uh, would just make things a lot easier. Oh, um, definitely. Right? If, if well, only you could be content in being alone. Well, I think I can, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, Yella, my, my heart goes out to you, my friend. I, I think that it's... How can I say this? One of the most horrible adaptations that a human being can have is to be okay without something that they need. And so the humans, humans are resilient. You'll learn how to be alone. But I really hope that you don't have a life where you're forced to learn how to survive with loneliness. I hope so, too. And I think the key thing here is just acknowledging every moment that those thoughts are telling you to do something and as best as you can, resist it a little bit. And the one thing that I can tell you is that the more you resist it, the easier it will be to resist. Where in the same way that you feed it every day and it grows... 
the more that you let your anxiety go hungry, you don't give into it by sending the text message, it'll actually start to shrink. It'll be a painful shrinkage because anytime it's shrinking, it's hungry and it's not getting what it needs. And it's going to like give you hell. But it'll eventually shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink and then eventually it'll disappear. Yeah. It's hard because it's always on my mind. I want to make sure and in the morning I think about it and throughout the day I always think that I need the reassurance from others. Yeah, so it certainly sounds hard. It sounds like it's a very dominating part of your mind. Yes. And it sounds... Honestly, it almost sounds like torture to me. At the moment, it really feels like this. And uh, it really made me also doubt, uh, doubt what, I, what I did uh, over the last year because uh, I, this feeling is, is new to me. Like I, I was, like, like you said, I, I was content with being alone. I was miserable in other ways, but uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's really hard right uh, right now I, I hear that man I'm so sorry I, I don't Me know too. if I've been able to help you so far but what do you think yeah a little bit um, I, I, honestly um, it feels good but I haven't really um taking it all into my mind. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I, just... I, I mean, I just, if I can disagree there, I, I think you did take it into your mind. I, I think it's just, it's just not enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. What yeah. I'm really, the more that I listen to you now, I'm just noticing how big the mountain you have to climb really is. Oh, it's big. And, and I, I don't know what else to say besides, even if it feels kind of hopeless to you, it doesn't feel quite as hopeless to me. But at the same time, I also acknowledge that you know it better than I do. Right? So even if you do feel hopeless, I think it's actually like okay to feel that way because you're the one who's had to struggle with this. Yeah. And if you can, I'd say, you know, sit with that hopelessness and don't necessarily give into it. But it's very easy for me to say, oh, no, there's lots of opportunities to make friends. Believe in yourself, yalla. Believe in yourself and make friends and everything will be okay. When, like, what I'm really noticing is that it's very heavy what you carry around. Yeah, it, um, it feels like I'm, at the moment, climbing the mountain. And, like, at the half halfway point, uh, it's like... It gets so much harder, and I think maybe I should just roll down back into the valley and go to sleep. And <laughs> I don't think you should do that, but I think you've earned yourself a break. Right? So you've climbed halfway up the mountain. I'm surprised you said halfway. I was expecting I just started climbing the mountain. But I, no, I, I, I did a lot of uh, other things. Um, uh, besides the social uh, things, like I, I, I lost 40 kilo. I don't know what that's in. That's awesome. Uh, American units, but uh, I improved my health by a lot. I like I, a year ago, I wasn't able to really um, leave my house that much. And uh, yeah. The yeah. fuck? Yeah, but it's hard right now. I know that I did uh, a, a lot of stuff and uh, like my mind always tells me, uh, I, I know that it's really awesome, awesome what I did, but there's always these uh, uh, thoughts in my mind uh, that uh, it's it only made it like worse or it it's way harder now and uh, sometimes I have the feeling why did I even start because um, maybe I was just more content uh, playing video games all day and um, just not having a life than having an um, 
Life of struggle. Wait, yellow. You weren't leaving the house a year ago and you lost 40 kilos? Yeah. What do you think about that? It's it's nice. It's awesome. Do you really believe that it's awesome? Yeah. Like yeah. But it's also just like it's halfway the mountain and really awesome is when I'm up on the mountain. Um, okay. One last idea. thing I'm going to share with you, because apparently you're a Giga Chad too. You just pretended okay. to be a noob this whole time. So I, I don't oh. want to devalue your, your friendship struggles, but there's one other thing that I want you to understand about the mind. Yeah. Sometimes when there's a part of ourselves who hates us. Okay. So when we get abandoned by people, what do we start thinking about ourselves? That we are not lovable. Absolutely. And then if you start putting your, your life together, what is that part of your mind going to do? I don't know. It's going to panic. And it's going to start launching nuclear weapons. Because this whole time... We've built my life on the idea that I'm unlovable and I'm a piece of crap. And then if you start putting your life together, that part of your mind will fight you with every weapon it's got. Because Uh, suddenly you're about to, this whole thing exists because you are worthless. That's its lifeblood. It's its energy. And if you start having confidence against your, uh, for yourself, it's going to fight you as hard as it can. Does that make any yeah. sense to you? A little bit. So what you're saying is that uh, it wants me to have no confidence. It wants to stay yes. like... Right? What it wants to do is it's trying to convince you, roll down the mountain and go to sleep in the valley. Like, what the fuck, man? You're halfway up and it's telling you to throw away all of your work. It's telling you to go back to where you were a year ago. Yeah, that's really dumb. I don't want to be there. But this is what you've got to understand is that that part of you wants to survive too. So there's one thing that I'm going to share with you before we kind of wrap up because we've got to get to another caller. So one thing I've noticed is when people put their lives together and they really don't believe in themselves, there's something that I call the rubber band of self-development. So it's like I'm tied to a tree and I'm tied by a rubber band. And the, the harder I walk away from the tree, the rubber band snaps me back even harder. So I'll run and I'll run and I'll run and then I'll get like 10 feet away from the tree or three meters away from the tree, four meters away from the tree. And as I get four meters away from the tree, the rubber band's elasticity pulls me back and I come sliding back to where I started. And I've seen this time and time again with people who start to put their lives together. You get out of your depression, you clean your house, you apply for a job, you go to work, you stay there for the first two weeks, you get hired, two more weeks go by, and then suddenly you're like, something panics and then you stop showing up at work. You stay at home, you play video games, you eat a bunch of junk food, and then you go back to your misery. Yeah, these things happen, but um, the the band gets more, uh, it's easier the next time when you get back. Are you giving me words of hope and encouragement about continuing to move forward? Because it's going to get easier next time? Yeah, sometimes you move backwards, and so, but it's okay because uh, so uh, it's easier the next time. All right, if you say so. <laughs> I met the experience. That, uh, you, you had uh, something like um, if an alcoholic um, first gets sober, he's like sober for one day. The next time he's sober for... Um, uh, for two weeks and then he's sober for a little month. Like it's get it gets better every time. Um, um, you you can't get it all right the first time and yeah. Okay. Do you think that applies to making friends too? 
Yeah, but it, it, it's hard every time it, it doesn't work out. And um... Okay, so Yella, this is what I want you to do. You said that you want to help yourself the way that you help other people. Yeah. All you need to do is go watch the VOD of this conversation. And what you just did over the last five minutes is you helped like everyone who's listening. Okay. So I think you're going to be fine. I think it's going to be hard. I think you've had a lot of suffering pile up in your life. And the weight yeah. of that is very heavy. And you wouldn't be able to carry it unless you lost that 40 kilos. But without yeah. those 40 kilos, you could carry this crap and keep moving, buddy. I hope so. Yeah. That's all, that's all we can ask for. Right? Yeah. Good luck to you, my friend. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> You're the one, you showed up here having lost 40 kilos. We were like a shot in a year ago. I'll take, I mean, I'll take credit for what I do, but I think like, honestly, 95% of it, 99% of you has been you, bro. Okay. Yeah. Then thanks for giving me the opportunity to um, present myself, I guess. <laughs> Thank you very much, Yella. <laughs> okay. Take care. See you. Thanks. What? <laughs> I don't even know what the hell happened there. I, I, I mean, I, it is what it is. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, so clearly Yala has had a lot of stuff not go their way. Right? And also, they're absolutely crushing it. And who knows? I, I don't know what to say. Like, this is why, like, it's, it's hard to describe. So in a live conversation, like, sometimes these things happen. So when I work with people, right, we see this in, in coaches, too. We'll, like, work with people, like, we don't know exactly what we're doing. We don't really know how it works. But, like, I just don't know how to say it. Like, this is why we started this program. Like, this is why we have live interaction with other human beings. Because you can spend a lot of time with someone, and it just feels like nothing's working. And then suddenly, like, something weird happens, and then you start thinking about things in a different way. I don't know how to explain this. You just have to see it. And, like, this is the cool thing, is that this can happen consistently. It's all about what's up here. The thing is, it's, it's just weird, man. I'm, I'm blown away by that guy. Uh, One Piece Addict is saying his abandonment fears don't get fixed by him losing weight, though. Well said, right? So the fear of abandonment is different. The thing, though, is that the fear of abandonment is rooted in self-worth, right? So, like, where does the fear of abandonment come from? It comes from this idea that I'm not worth other people sticking around. Putting your life together, climbing halfway up the mountain. He's the one who said it was halfway. And losing 40 kilos absolutely affects self-worth. And then even at the end, when I ask him, well, like, but how do you feel about, he's like, every time you, you know, you lose ground, like, it gets easier the next time. But I was like, but what about friends? Right? I debated him. I was like, hey, part of you that wants to be abandoned, this is your chance to say, yeah, that's true for weight, but it's not true for friendships. I gave, him, I, I gave him the opportunity to say, yeah, that's like, it's completely apples and oranges. But he didn't, he didn't take it. He was like, well, I have some hope. Right? And, and this is the thing, like, uh, 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 good point. But like, I, I think when we get stuck in our own heads, we do not realize how awesome we are. Right. I don't think and for the record, I don't think the mods like screened that. Right. Like, do you all get that? They send like a prompt and they read it out at the beginning. 
It's not like the mods are screening people. By the way, who's, who's had a 40 kilo weight loss in the last year? We're going to pick you to come on. I'm pretty sure mods had no clue. This is the thing. Is that each and every one of you who thinks that your life is absolute crap and each and every one of you that is weighed down by all these fears and negative emotions and stuff like that, you don't realize, you all get that with these call-in streams, we call in random randos from our community. It's not like we pick the 5% of gigachads. The whole point is that we're all gigachads. Right? And you just don't see it. Each and every one of us is absolutely amazing. I believe that. I'm not, and I'm not saying that because I'm some friggin' Dr. K optimist. Like, oh, like Dr. K, like, believe in all people. No, crap like this happens where I'm like, man, this guy is screwed. And then he's like, by the way, I did this, this, and this. And then you work with people time and time and time again. And you expect them to be like, you know, because they say something, right? So like, oh, I'm like, I'm struggling and I'm pathetic and I'm depressed. And you're like, oh, okay. So I guess that means you're struggling and pathetic and depressed. And then you're like, wait a minute. No, hold on a second. This person is none of those things. This person is resilient. They're strong. They're intelligent. They're capable. They're compassionate. We've even had (laughs) some people who have been reviled by the internet. Like, so we did an interview with a Trump supporter. And everyone is, was, was expecting this person, oh, because everyone like vilifies Trump supporters, right? So clearly this person who's a diehard Trump supporter is, must be a terrible human being. No, amazing human being, incredibly inspiring. And this is the thing. The reason I have faith in humanity is not because I'm an optimist. It's because I've spent a lot of time with a lot of humanity and each and every person is amazing in some way. Like that's not like me being optimistic. That's me just being surprised over and over and over again. And I still get surprised. I got surprised today. I don't know what to, I, I mean, it's what keeps it interesting for me, I guess, but.